0: And sitting in for John Gormley on this Monday morning and the war between Israel and Hamas has led to a number of protests in Canada around the world, in fact, and a big wave of anti-Semitism. And that's got a lot of people, including Benai Brith, pushing for more Holocaust education and just more education to try and counter this new wave of anti-Semitism that we've seen, well, not just in Canada, but around the world in recent weeks. Marvin Rotrand is the national director of Benai Brith's League for Human Rights. He's leading this push on Holocaust education, and we find him in Montreal this morning. Uh, Good morning. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you, Mr. McPherson, and thank you for the invitation. All right. I admit I was staggered to find out that Holocaust education isn't mandatory across Canada. Uh, is Saskatchewan on the list, or are we a place that still has some catching up to do?
1: You are a place that needs to catch up. But the good news is uh, we have the era government in Saskatchewan. We've actually been in contact with Dustin Duncan when he was Minister of Education, and he was very open to improvements. When there was a cabinet shuffle recently and Jeremy Cockrell took over the role, we um, relaunched our communications with the ministry, and they set up a high-level meeting with the civil servants who are in charge of of curriculum in Saskatchewan schools. We contend... That better and earlier Holocaust education is going to have a discernible impact in reducing anti-Semitic incidents. And in fact, we now have data that comes from the United States that was done by Reality Check research that says that in the 15 states that have mandatory Holocaust education, they were able to track uniformly across, right across all of the 15 states, about the same 50 to 55% reduction in anti-Semitic incidents over two years. They also said that they were able to track a decrease in anti-Black, anti-Asian racism and in incidents uh, targeting other identifiable groups. So the arguments are there. Better Holocaust education uh, has an impact that's positive for society. And we've been getting pretty good hearing, not only in Saskatchewan, but right across Canada. Uh, In November of 2022, Ontario announced it would make the teaching of the Holocaust uh, in an age-appropriate way mandatory in grade six, and that started this September. And the Northwest Territories has uh, made a module for grade six also available. And in the past week, uh, British Columbia didn't go quite as far as we had hoped to see, but they uh, plugged the gap in their educational system by making... Uh, the Grade 10 history course, uh, mandatory Holocaust education included, and Ontario this week also improves Holocaust education in Grade 10. So coming back to Saskatchewan, uh, we held the call on October 19th. I want to very much thank uh, Ministers Bronwyn Eyre and Laura Ross for speaking on that call, and they talked in general about what Saskatchewan has been doing and can be doing. They recognize that there is a historic Jewish community in Saskatchewan that predates Confederation, that's uh, contributed to the well-being and success of uh, the province. All four rabbis in the province were there, um, and Rabbi Parnes uh, from uh, uh, Regina, uh, Rabbi uh, Simons also from Regina, Rabbis uh, uh, Katz, and uh, Jordakowski from uh, Saskatoon. And during the call, we learned that the government of, uh, of Saskatchewan had adopted an order in Council last December to better define what is anti-Semitism. They're going to use the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition. We also learned that the government of Saskatchewan uh, supports May as Jewish Heritage Month as a way to inform citizens of contribution of Jewish Canadians to the well-being of our country. And they said, look, they're very willing to work towards the improvements in Holocaust education in the province. So we're now in contact with all the provinces and we've had Excellent, excellent cooperation from all uh, the education ministers right across Canada.
0: That's really good news. Marvin Rotrand is with us, National Director of the League of Human Rights for B'nai B'rith, pushing for mandatory Holocaust education from coast to coast across Canada. Now, is this something that your organization has been pushing for for some time, or is this a response to this the new wave of anti-Semitism that we've seen in recent weeks and uh, recent months?
1: No, it goes way back. Uh, One of our main functions is we conduct an annual audit of anti-Semitic incidents. And in 2021, we recorded 2,799 such incidents in Canada. It was the highest ever since we began. 2022 declined by 1% to 2,769 incidents. Still a really shocking number. But What we've been able to track by looking at our data year in, year out, is in the last 10 years, there's been a 106% increase in anti-Semitic incidents. And our numbers are mirrored by Statistics Canada. They have a document on police-reported hate crimes. We report hate incidents and hate crimes. They report uh, police-reported hate crimes. Uh, The Jewish community makes up 1.25% of the Canadian population and something like 67% of all police reported hate crimes against a religious minority. In other words, uh, hate incidents targeting uh, Muslims, Catholics, Sikhs, Hindus, and other religious minorities comprise a total of 33% of the hate uh, crimes reported to police in 2022. Those against Jews in the category of religious minorities was 66.9%. It's pretty shocking, and it shows we had a problem. What we've been able to trace is a lot of... Of the hate is actually uh, new forms of hate and it's uh, pushed online. The advent of the internet has allowed the haters to be anonymous and to be able to impact uh, thousands if not tens of thousands hundreds of thousands even millions of people very very quickly. There's been a great deal of Holocaust denial and distortion misinformation and disinformation aimed at our kids online and uh, Governments need to react to that, not only in the sense of having a robust uh, uh, policy to control online harms, but looking at how we can better ensure that our kids know that the Holocaust actually happened. In Ontario, the government conducted a number of surveys before they decided to go to mandatory education, in, uh, Holocaust education in grade six. They discovered that 42% of respondents Said they had witnessed an anti Semitic incident in school. Can you imagine that? One wow. kid two. Yeah. That's
0: pretty and staggering.
1: It is staggering. And they also determined by a survey conducted by Western University and Liberation 75 that 35% of their high school students thought that the Holocaust was either exaggerated, fake, or they were unsure about it. And that's mirrored surveys in the United States. We have a problem. We have to armor our kids with knowledge, and we haven't been doing it. And I think uh, what we're seeing in most provinces is a willingness to um, to uh, confront that. Yesterday, we conducted a call in British Columbia. There were uh, five members of the legislature, a number of mayors, a lot of counselors, school trustees, and members of the Jewish community and members of the general public. And uh, everybody was very happy that B.C.'s made this announcement uh, that grade 10 will now have compulsory Holocaust education. But a couple of the councillors said they're still going to push their communities to raise with the Union of British Columbia Municipalities the need to start this much, much earlier. And we're in discussions with Alberta and Manitoba, all the candidates committed to this during the election. Wab canoe who's now the uh, premier, uh, sent us a video and said, there's going to be a major improvement in Holocaust education in Manitoba. It'll now be up to the minister. Uh, New Brunswick has told us that they've uh, recently signed a partnership with the Atlantic Canada Foundation for Holocaust Education. They've created a, a Holocaust Advisory Committee for uh, their education department. They have a mobile dis- display now available for all schools. Uh, Nova Scotia has told us it's got a pretty good program for grade 8. Uh, when the other provinces that don't, most of them are in discussions with us. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk,
0: Marvin, about what Holocaust education needs to look like in our schools, because I remember I, I went through it, I was about grade seven, it was maybe two, three weeks of our history class, I believe, but what, what would a proper Holocaust education curic- curriculum look like and what's the appropriate age for it?
1: Well, that's the question we let up to the experts who collect the data and do the curriculum. uh, We've contended that if you teach it and you teach it earlier and you teach it in an age appropriate manner and teachers are comfortable with teaching it, it will have an impact in reducing, uh, reducing hate. But clearly it's got to look at, uh, in terms of you can't sugarcoat the Holocaust as one of the horrific events in human history. Uh, you've got to talk about what led to it, what actually happened and what happened afterwards, um, as well. Uh, you know, Clearly, you want to talk about the Canadian aspects of it. During the years leading up to the Holocaust, none was too many in Canada. Canada has a shameful record of admitting Jewish refugees. We did a call last year with um, the Foreign Affairs Department of the Philippines because the president of the Philippines in the late 1930s and 40s was ready to open his doors to Jewish refugees fleeing the Holocaust. And in fact, it's a little known story that under President Quezon, the Philippines saved about 2,000 people. They would have done more, but they weren't an independent nation. Meanwhile, in Canada, the merchant vessel St. Louis was turned away with 900 refugees on board from Halifax and sent back to Europe. Many of those people perished in the Holocaust. And that's a story that a lot of Canadian kids don't know. Uh, there's a lot of room for a lot of improvement. Uh, we've heard that from every single education minister that we've talked to. The good news is everyone is open to discussion. With uh, Saskatchewan, we have a call a planned for February. Um, the government says that we have their ear and I'm sure their experts will advocate to Minister Cockrell what changes are necessary. Uh, we'd like to see this get done quicker Uh, rather than in the more long term. In Ontario, the minister announced on November 9, 2022, that it was going to get done for the 2024-2025 academic year, and it was. He had two challenges. One, uh, partnering with the Ontario College of Teachers to ensure that there was a curriculum that was appropriate for 11-, 12-, and 13-year-olds. And second of all, teaching teachers how to teach it because it's it's not something everyone feels comfortable with or feels to have an expertise. They manage to do it. In some of the other provinces we're dealing with, the perspective is more long-term. 2026, 2027, we're trying to bring that forward. We're trying to share best practices from between the provinces. And... Um, Minister Lecce in Ontario wrote to the Council of Education Ministers last July saying, look, this is what I've done, and Ontario is willing to uh, share information if that will help you do this more quickly. So uh, I think the education departments are aware of our advocacy, but we are not the only ones doing this. There are other groups right across Canada who are equally effective and have an expertise. We're all on the same wavelength. And the good thing is in Saskatchewan, we seem to have Everyone aboard at the uh, legislature. Uh, when the terrible Hamas terrorist attack occurred against Israel on October 7th, the, the leaders of both parties in the legislature spoke out to denounce it and to condemn the condemn the the attack and to stand with Israel and its right to defend itself. And uh, we've heard from our community in Saskatchewan that the leaders of both parties have been present at synagogues, have spoken with the Jewish community to reassure them and to tell them that the legislature has their back. That is very much appreciated. And I believe there is such goodwill in Saskatchewan, we're going to get this done relatively quickly.
0: Well, I definitely wish you good luck. It is a noble pursuit, and it sounds like you're well on track. So thank you so much for joining us, and I hope we can catch up again soon.
1: Thank you, uh, uh, Mr. McPherson. I hope we'll have another opportunity. Maybe in February, after we have our second meeting with the civil servants, we can do this again.
0: Let's hope so. That's Marvin Rotrand, National Director of the League League for Human Rights with Benai B'rith Canada. Lots more still ahead on the show, including the Star Phoenix answers a question I've always wondered about. Why can't I own a pet zebra in Saskatchewan? We'll tell you more about that next. 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. is the day in an Indian Head provincial courtroom that Nicholas Hazel will appear on charges of importing possessing and holding cap- captive zebras without the necessary licenses if you've been following the strange saga of these zebras well you can currently go and see them they're at the Saskatoon Forestry Farm uh, Park and Zoo I always get the name wrong. I always just want to call it a zoo. It is the park and zoo. And there they have been for quite some time after they were seized back in June from a rural property in Saskatchewan. Of course, keeping restricted animals like zebras requires a certain license. In this case, a zoo license. And Tia James, writing in the Star Phoenix, actually unpacks the question of why we can't own zebras as pets. Because... At first blush, it seems pretty cool, right? Have a few zebras wandering around on your lawn. You know, like you get to a certain point of wealth and just peacocks start to appear on your property. I I figure it's sort of like that with, with zebras. But actually, they are a restricted species, so they're not allowed and have never been allowed to be kept as pets. And according to the Ministry of Environment, zebras are, in fact, big, strong, wild animals that have never been domesticated, And they do require a great deal of expertise in handling them. Not only are they big, strong animals, but they're big, strong prey animals, which makes them very skittish, very hesitant to being approached by, say, large mammals like us, and very dangerous to handle as well. Oh, and also, they're from Africa. That means that they have things like a special diet that they require. They have things like special climate that they require. I don't know if you've been to Africa, but there's not a whole lot of overlap in, say, the month of February between African weather and Saskatchewan weather. And in fact, the uh, Saskatchewan government had to kick in about $120,000 so the Saskatoon Forestry Farm could build a special heated barn so that these zebras can actually make it through the winter here. So yeah, tomorrow in an Indian head courtroom, uh, Nicholas Hazel is going to be explaining why he was holding this group of zebras. Oh, a group of zebras, by the way, is referred to as a dazzle. And just in case you were wondering, they are black with white stripes. Zebras black with white stripes. Their skin is black. Their nose is black. Their hoofs are black. They are black. The stripes are white. And I will not hear any slander the opposite way. But still, of all the... Wild animals that you could own. Why a zebra? Why not go the full Mike Tyson route and just have a tiger hanging around your house? Have three tigers. You're the heavyweight champion of the world. You used to have tigers. I'm full of good ideas on this Monday morning. Lots more still ahead. Taylor McPherson sitting in for Gormley. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.